This week on Physio Foundations, I'm talking to new grad physiotherapist Jacob Waller about his experiences so far transitioning from student to clinician. Welcome to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week, a podcast about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation for expert clinical practice. And this week I'm talking to one of my previous students in the Monash Physiotherapy course. He's now a new grad practitioner finding his way in the world. And this is part of a new grad series I'm doing on the podcast. I'm trying to build up a series of conversations with new graduate practitioners. And I'm interested in the experiences in moving from their foundational studies into clinical practice placements and into clinical practice. And I'm really interested in this stage of professional life because when you listen back to some of the episodes I've done so far on the podcast with some notable experts, so much of these, uh, so, so much of their, their story comes from these formative years. So much of their career that they've built up comes from the decisions they made in the first few years after leaving university. So it's actually a really interesting time to talk about. And I'm actually specifically interested in the nuts and bolts, the skills and knowledge that people think are most fundamental to their clinical practice and the knowledge they've been seeking since graduation and how prepared they feel for clinical practice in the first few years and where they think they're going. So there's a lot we're going to talk about. So with all that in mind, Jacob Waller, welcome to Physio Foundations. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much, Luke. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's good to have you. So it's been a few years. You graduated 2019. And I did, yeah. Let's tell the listeners a bit about yourself. There's obviously a good reason why I brought you on for a chat. You're an interesting person and um, interesting story. So you were, you're from Bendigo originally, which is a, for the international listeners, is a small town. How many hours out of Melbourne? It is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I grew up in uh, Bendigo, which is central Victoria, about two hours from Melbourne. Um, so yeah, born there completed all my schooling. And then once I graduated in year 12, moved to Melbourne um, and went straight from year 12 into the Monash uh, University physio degree. Um, so yeah, being living here since, still in Melbourne at the moment, currently working at Epworth. Um, no, and really enjoying it, really enjoying it. So that's Epworth, Epworth Hospital, so a private hospital in the suburbs of Melbourne. So you're at Box Hill, which is, yep. was that about 20 kilometres out of the centre of Melbourne? Yeah, so I'm currently living in East Melbourne, so just up from the MCG actually, which is um, a lovely little spot. So um, and just yeah, commuting out against the traffic and I am yeah, no, it's all work working every well. day. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm currently rotating through um, the because there's quite a few Epworth sites. I'm in Box Hill at the moment at the Epworth Eastern Campus, and then later in the year I'll be moving in working at the Epworth Richmond Campus, which will be exciting as well. So, so you've I mean you've got a lot of you can tell by listening to you you've got a lot of passion for your career and you've, um, you know, you've got a lot of interests. Let's go into your interests. What are your, you've been working for three years now and yep. two of those years were probably all of them except for the part in 2019 were really interrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic, which is an ongoing disruption for healthcare workers and yes, for a yep. lot of people. But despite all that, you've, you know, you've got a spark about you, you're, you're going somewhere with your career. So, Let's go back a step first. What led you to a career in physio so we can unpack where you're going? Um, I think I was similar to a lot of people who get into physio. Um, always grew up playing a lot of sport, um, particularly swimming. So I took swimming quite seriously back in, um, in, in senior school. Um, and I think I guess I was just always surrounded by sport and, and went to a lot of physiotherapists myself. 
And I think I, I just sort of came to the realisation that if I couldn't necessarily be the athlete out there playing or swimming, it'd be great to, to be working in that environment, working around athletes and, and working with people, I think, at the, at the end of the day. So during year 12, when I was going to open days and having a bit of a think about what I might want to do, I think a couple of the main interests that, that came up um, were around working with people was one of them. I think being able to be in an environment, yeah, one, you can work with people, one, you can help people, then also being um, in something where you were hands-on and hopefully in a, in, in a sort of sporting environment, I guess you could say. Um, and so I think I, I, I kind of found my, my flock, as mum said, when I went to the Open Day and, and went to the Monash Physio um, talk, which was done by Prue, who's still there now, I believe. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, Prue's still doing that talk. Yeah, yep. Fantastic. So I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it just came down to the interest. I wanted to work with people, wanted to be in healthcare. And I think that physio was a really good a good option for that. Mm, that's interesting. You you started with an interest in sport, but then you noticed from the beginning that you needed that attribute of wanting to work with people, wanting to help people. Well, it's that's not right. just yeah. a matter of your interest. It's also because there's a reciprocal relationship happening in healthcare where you're working with someone there, the center of the care, and you want to help them. That seems like a rather important place to start, actually wanting to work with people and wanting to talk to people and help yeah, them, of communicate course. with them. Yeah, yeah no, exactly place. right. Yeah, It's a great answer to that. So then what about from there? So you've done a four-year undergraduate degree with us and yep. you've worked for a few years. So you've been in Melbourne now eight years. So what have your interests developed throughout the course and now into your current work? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I um, sort of started the course and throughout the majority of the degree, my main interest was definitely in musculoskeletal and I guess you'd say sport physio. So a lot of the work that I did on the side was doing sports training with different football clubs. Um, and towards the end of the degree, when I thought about, oh, well, what setting do I want to go, get into? I think that's why I initially went into private practice. There's a lot of the physios that I was working with and that I was learning from were working in private practice clinics themselves. And I think what you do is you, you also just find yourself what you're consuming with social media, what sort of articles you're reading, what sort of evidence you're looking up, often gives you a pretty good clue of what you're interested in. And for me, a lot of that was in more of that sporting, musculoskeletal, orthopedic sort of um, area. So for me, towards the end of the degree, really, really interested in private practice. And so that's initially why um, once graduating, I went into private practice. I think I've, was I've that, actually that, seen you at the yeah. APA, which stands for Australian Physio Association Professional Development Events. You've turned up to those. Yeah, there's a yeah, couple absolutely. of those. So, um, and not all students are there. It takes some people will complete the degree and, and head off and find their feet and then go and attend lecture events. For example, in the in different suburbs at nine o'clock at night on a weeknight. Yeah. So it takes yeah. a bit of mo uh, a bit of um, a commitment to go and do that. Um, so you, you, had this, you had this passion for physiotherapy. You had this idea of, that you really wanted to help people and you developed an interest in musculoskeletal physio. What about the other parts of the course? How have you used the other parts of the training, neurological, um, cardiothoracic, yeah, uh, gerontology, absolutely. all the other parts of the course? How have you applied those to your MSK, musculoskeletal practice? Well, I think one of the big things working in a private practice clinic, really you're open to seeing anyone. Anyone can come in mm. the door. So although you might think, oh, well, I love to work with ACLs and musculoskeletal and sporting injuries and all that, really anyone can come in and any patient can see you. 
So I think one of the best things of getting that exposure and that experience in all those different areas, it just makes you a better physio and a much more well-rounded physio. And you can draw on all that experience. And for me, even in areas that you may not have as much of an interest, so for me that was was definitely cardio, cardiology in the cardio areas, um, it still it definitely helps you as a physio. Have you um, used it, just to put you on the spot, have you, of course, without giving any specific examples for people, but have you used any, notably, any of that experience and, you know, in your musculoskeletal practice so far? So I'm thinking about someone who comes in with shoulder pain and it's there's a visceral component or, or contributing factor or cause or yeah, absolutely. anything like that. Yeah, well, you might have uh, um, an example might be someone might come into the clinic with neck or back pain, um, but it's not as always as simple as being muscle or bone. And mm. I think that's where you can think, oh, well, maybe something's going on neurologically. Um, maybe something's going on with the cardiovascular system. And I think as well as when these patients do come in, yes, they might be presenting with neck pain, but often they might have quite an extensive past medical history. And I think having that understanding of, okay, well, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And how does it affect the, the patient presenting in front of you is really important. Um, and I think you can't sort of, yeah, I think all of that does come into play. Um, so not just in the clinic, but now that I'm out um, doing acute hospital work, it's obviously come in really important. Mm, so that broad experience, looking to be well-rounded, even if you are going straight into private practice. And then, so you've sort of done the opposite of the pathway we've talked about with a few other previous guests, yes. where you went into private practice and then you've gone back to hospital work so what's inspired that or what what was your strategy there for moving back from the private practice work into the hospital yeah sure um so yeah as i said i think went going straight into private practice initially was just always what i wanted to do it's all what i wanted to do during my last year at uni and um absolutely loved it worked in a, a really really great private practice clinic had a really supportive team great mentoring and and learned a heap you really those first sort of six months out of out of uni you'll learn heaps um, for me, one of the big things, as much as I did enjoy it, I think I decided that I, it wasn't what I thought I'd be doing long-term was really what it came down to. So I thought I'd just get as much experience as I can. Um, and then I decided one of the things in particular that I was missing was probably that collaborative teamwork approach, which you may see a little bit more in a hospital setting, just given the nature of the work. You're often working as part of a team in the hospital. It's multidisciplinary. You're liaising with nursing staff, doctors, surgeons, um, as opposed to a private practice clinic, yes, you'll be doing your liaising, but a lot of the time you are in your room and you're seeing patients coming in and out the door. Um, and so for me, I think I really wanted to try and get back into that team environment. And so that was one of the big reasons that sort of led me to transitioning back into, into a hospital setting. Mm. On the very, very remote chance that some of the current first-year students are, that I teach are listening to this right now, yes. or when this is released, we're, we're actually – Run, won't run a module this semester on collaborative um, team approach to um, um, to healthcare, and it's it's not re it really isn't until you go and work that you really understand what that means. Oh, um, absolutely. So, yeah. Susanna talked on a couple of episodes um, with guests and on her own episode on the podcast about um, about her own experience and her um, interest in moving into team environments in sport in hospital for that same reason because you have the doctors the nurses the other allied health professionals what is it about working in the wards compared to the private practice that you feel you can get more out of the multidisciplinary and the, yeah, the teamwork so yeah my um experience with the private practice clinic is yes you've got 
uh, at least where I was, I had a really, really strong team there. But it's a lot more autonomous in the sense that you're in your room, you're treating these patients quite independently. Um, you will send letters off to, to GPs and surgeons, but a lot of the time you are in the room just doing your own, doing your treatment as opposed to on a hospital ward, you've, you're surrounded by nurses that are looking after the patients. You've also often got multiple physiotherapists that are actually working on the ward that you're on, um, as well as occupational therapists, dietitians, speech pathologists, um, the doctors and the surgeons. And I think, um, I think a sign of a good ward is really when the team works together to get the best outcome for the patient. And I think it's um, something that you've really got to try and embrace is everyone's there to help. And I think picking the brains of these other allied health is, is really important because you learn a lot from an OT and a dietitian and a speech pathologist that you can, you can, you can use in your own practice. And at the end of the day, we just want to get the best outcome for the patient. And the best way to do that is get everyone in, involved. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's what I really enjoy is being able to work and, and put your head together with, with other people. Um, and come to come to that best outcome for the patient. Yeah, so teamwork, multidisciplinary teamwork, and then yeah. not only is that effective, and it's a it's a good way to to have patient centered care and have good patient outcomes. But personally, your experience was that you really thrive in that environment, and that's something that you um, personally enjoy working in. So then that's that's the team environment. What about for you personally as a practitioner? So what knowledge and skills can do you wake up in the morning and you can't go to work without. So what are the most important foundational knowledge and skills from your perspective and your work that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, I'm currently mostly doing acute orthopedic, acute musculoskeletal. So just basically clinical, clinically wise, I've gone from treating a lot of these patients in a private practice clinic who are down the road a little bit. They've had their surgery, they've gone home, they're out of that acute stage and they're doing their rehabilitation. Whereas now I'm on the flip side seeing them those first couple of days after surgery. So I think having that exposure in both environments gives you the whole picture of where the patient goes because I kind of know now where they're going and what they'll be doing. And I think that helps because I can give that those expectations and that education for the patients from, from the first day. Mm, definitely. In terms of um, more general skills, I think the big ones in terms of teamwork as we touched on, I think communication is really important. Um, so that's feeding back to the nurses, feeding back to the doctors, how the patient's going, what their goals are, what they're wanting out of their, their treatment. Um, so, yeah, communication, teamwork, your clinical reasoning as well develops. And I think one of the benefits of, of Monash is you get a lot of experience and exposure going out and doing your placements. So you've already got a little bit of a base to work off before you start. Um, and I think one of the most important things is you just want to keep really open-minded and, and that ongoing learning which were really pushed for at Monash. I remember that was a really big theme. It's just so important because once you get out, you'd be the same, Luke. I'm sure you're still learning things all the time. And That's why we're doing this, this podcast. Well, that's right. It's I, a wonderful I, excuse to talk to people every week and, yeah. and learn from them. Yeah, absolutely. And even the most experienced physios that I've had the chance to work with at the clinic and, and then again at the hospital, the really good ones are always learning, always putting their hand up, always trying to just absorb as much information as you can. Mm. So I think a big thing for... As, as much as you get taught a lot of information at university whilst you're studying, is really trying to, to carry that, that habit of, of learning and seeking out education and, and teaching yourself as you move forward. So I think that's the best way for you to progress your career as a physio, for sure. Brilliant. So to, talking about the if, you, if possible, if you can get that experience working not just in short-term care or long-term care, but putting them together and seeing that whole patient pathway and having that experience of what someone goes through 
pre-hospital, in-hospital, acute hospital, discharge, Absolutely. Home, following them through time. And then you, so you mentioned communication skills within the multidisciplinary team, which has become a bit of a, a theme of this conversation with, and you mentioned doctors and nurses, where, whereas we've sort of focused on patient communication skills, which are obviously very important as well in previous episodes and clinical reasoning and then ongoing learning. So what other ongoing, so I, I mentioned that I'd seen you in some of the Australian Physio Association professional development events and you've done lots of other courses and things no doubt what else have you done to update your own uh, learning as you've been going along it, there's yeah. been a little bit of it's been hard in the last couple of years lots of events closed and gone online with covid but what have you managed to work on yeah so i think for me um going through uni i found those apa events and education events really useful um i think often you some you see a trend of what you're interested in because they're the events that you that you go to um, so for me, yeah, the APA do a lot of really good lectures um, and even during COVID, there's been a, a big shift to online, but they've still mm. been having experts come and, and speak online and you've still been able to sign up and do those. So I think they're really important as well because physio is just one of those careers where there's so much evidence coming out all the time, which is really exciting. But it's also important that you make sure you're keeping up to date with what's coming out as well, because at the end of the day, that's going to feed back and give you the best outcomes with your patient. And you have um, to filter as well, don't you? You have to there's so much but then you can't just consume it all no well that's right mm. yeah you definitely can get information overload um so what i've found really useful one is having those lectures at the apa run um, i've gone and done a clinical pilates class uh course sorry which i've gone and i used a lot more when i was in the clinic and the other the useful resource these days is social media can be a really good one because there's a lot of um, experts in the field that have quite a strong social media presence um, and so there's quite a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram that you can follow and you can get really good up-to-date evidence um, almost before it comes out anywhere else just through social media streams. So for me, I, it's pretty common that you, you can have a bit of a flick through social media and see what, what latest evidence is coming out and, and what sort of studies people are doing. So I found that really useful too, particularly in a time like COVID where it has been harder to go out and have that face-to-face. -face. Things like social media can be really, really helpful. Instagram, Twitter. Any others? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn's really good. There's a lot of good people on LinkedIn. Um, and that's another great way to connect with people and learn is, is through LinkedIn. Um, and seeing podcasts like yourself, Luke, you've got quite a strong presence online. So it's a great way to get in touch with people and also just learn as well. Mm. The conversational podcast is such a, I've already said this once this episode, but it's such a good way to connect with people. And then it's an intimate form of media as well. You've got, you're talking right in people's ears. And yes. then it's a very much an open forum as well. If you're someone listening to this, you don't have to have been in Jacob's class in university. You don't make, you don't even know him. If you're a new graduate, you you have shared experience. You want to talk to me about it? Let me know. Just contact me. Look yeah. up, look me up in the details in the show notes, and we might be having a conversation. It's it's very much a connected world we're in. Absolutely, but yeah. Social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. So, do you have a, a do you want to give your your social media details out, or do you? Well, I've, I've, I don't actually have a, a professional physiotherapy um, following. I've just got my private account. Oh, sure. Um, okay. No yeah, problem. Yeah. That's, well, that, well, I'm glad I asked because that's, um, that's interesting. There's lots of people who would use social media for that reason to stay updated and see, um, I guess, different summaries of evidence. There's lots of different forms of media on there. But sometimes it's just the latest paper that's come out. Sometimes the first time you'll see it will be because it's blown up on social media. 
And yeah. I must admit, oh, I, I do the same thing and I've got journal alerts set up. I've got RSS feeds from journals, but so often the first place I actually see it is on when it's blown up on Twitter. Yeah, and I'll exactly. get it and email, email the thread to myself and just tag it in the email line, put that in the folder. And then yep. that ends up in teaching materials or it ends up being read in my own time. So it's a really nice way of finding out information. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so much easier than sitting down on PubMed and redoing your own research, which I don't know how many people are actually doing that unless they're doing their own sort of research study. But the fact that it is just popping up online and these, it's really high quality sort of evidence that's coming out as well, I think too, through these, through these streams. Mm, absolutely. So I Googled you, of course, I only know you from, from, <laughs> from teaching. And I, I thought, well, let's, let's Google you and see what we've got. And I found a really nice article about your experience in year 12. So your last year of school before coming to physio at Monash. So it was um, Gert and Grammar in Bendigo. Yep. And um, so I, I work primarily in my role with Bachelor of Physio students who are school leavers. And what you were talking about in the article was really actually really interesting and relevant to the pathway of a lot of students who are coming from school into what is an entry to practice degree. So in the Australian healthcare context, and it, it's mm. different for degrees around the world, but the it's an entry to practice degree. You come in as a school leaver, within four years, you're going to be a registered primary contact practitioner. That is quite a big deal. It's a big pathway. It's quite a steep learning curve for a lot of people. And there's a certain amount of maturity and strategy that's essential just to get through it. Um, and to do well. So how did your year 12 and your school experience set you up for the positive experiences that you had in university and, and going on since graduation? Yeah, sure. Um, I was really fortunate. Yeah, I had a, a really fantastic time at, at Girton back in Bendigo, as you said. Um, and I think what I found, one of the most useful things was, particularly in year 12, was just going to the open days and just talking with people. Um, so if you are sort of in year 12 and you're, and you're thinking about going to university, one of the best things that you can do, not just at school, but when you're at uni and then even when you're out working, I still do it a lot myself, is just chatting with people who are doing it. So if you're in year 12 and there's a few courses you're interested in, I'd say one of the best things you can do is just have a chat to someone who's doing that course, whether it be physiotherapy or whatever. Um, and the same thing if you're at university as well just chat to people who are a few years above you and are in the setting that you might be interested in and just chat with them. I think that's a really valuable way to, to learn what you might be interested in and what might suit you as from people that are actually doing it at the time. Um, in terms of year 12, I think what I found is the best thing you can do as well is just find what you enjoy learning. Mm. So for me, it was really, I always loved science-based subjects health, anatomy, um, subjects where you could talk with people and you're out and you were doing things. And so keeping all those interests in mind, I think that's where, where physiotherapy looks like a really good fit for me. And so I think it just comes down to Girton was really good at just teaching a bit of, of self-awareness. What is it that you enjoy doing and what can you see yourself having fun doing? Um, so for year, felt, year 12 students, I think chatting with people who are doing something you might be interested in is a great way to, to learn as well as just having self-awareness. Well, what are the subjects that I enjoy learning? What's the kind of study? Do I enjoy short answer, science-based, or do I prefer more longer answer, essay, that kind of thing? And I think, yeah, what sort of topics and areas do you have? What are, what are your interests at the end of the day? Um, I think that's one of the best ways. 
That's a great answer. Find out what you enjoy, but also what you're suited to intellectually and what you're drawn to and what your aptitudes are. But you're not going to find that necessarily all of that out by just trawling the internet. It's a safe way to look at things. You say, oh, I'm just going to hide here at home and look at all the websites and look at social media as well. But yep. there's so much you gain from going and having a conversation with somebody. So we're yeah. talking now to people who are interested in um, the career and potentially going to open days and looking at their options as well. But you could apply that equally to students and practitioners going and knocking Absolutely. on doors and seeing yep. if they open and heading off to conferences and, and talking to people. You don't and have I to think, have um, something to yeah. say. You can, you can just ask a good question. Yeah. I, I, someone gave me really good advice back when I was in my last year of uni and they said, if you don't ask your staff, which I've sort of kept in the back of my mind, and I think it's such a great attitude that, yeah. And, and often you find that people are really willing to have a chat with you as well. If you don't um, ask, you starve. Yeah, and, and so that's what someone told me, and I've, I've found that really, really helpful as a bit of a thing just in the back of my mind because it is easy, as you said, to sit back and go, oh, well, oh, it'll, it'll fall into place. But I think you've sort of there's – a, there's a part of it where you've just got to ask, ask people, put yourself out there, have a chat, get your hands dirty, see what you like, get a taste for different things because um, that's the best way to know if it's for you or not. Mm. That's great advice. And in the article that I'm talking about, are you happy if I put that in the show notes or is he trying to- Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it, was, it, it was number one on Google. It appeared oh, there. Oh, so of course. It's <laughs> out there. So, um, and no, it's good. You, you, if you, you could find worse things if Googling people and that's, that's a good thing to find. <laughs> it's, it's, a very, found, yeah. it's a very positive article. And, and in there, you said, I think it's really important to have a balance between study, exercise, downtime, family, and socializing with friends during year 12. And this, this is so important because you can get burned out. And it's very well known that there's high rates of burnout and attrition mm. in health sciences. Um, it's a, for lots of reasons. Um, you know, it's not all easy, particularly study, but then yeah. the new grad years are not easy as well. There's, you mentioned how steep the learning curve is, especially in the first six months. So what do you do to wind down and find balance in between your work and your the rest of your life. Yeah, no, um, it's, a, it's a really good point. I think that no matter what sort of career you're in, you're in, I think it's really important you do find that balance and find time to do things that you enjoy. Mm. Um, as you said, that attrition rate and, and burnout, it is an issue. So I think it's important to acknowledge it. Um, so for me, a lot of the things I love, exercising, spending time with friends and family, all those basic things as well. Um, and something I've always actually really enjoyed doing, and it was, I think I may have mentioned in this article, was I really enjoy watching like um, kids animated movies. So like your Disney and your Pixar, which I know sounds a little bit crazy, but I think it's really nice just to sort of get away and just have something that's really easy. So particularly when you're right in the, in the crux of studying and, and everything can seem so serious, I think it's nice so you can just take a step back, put your feet up, watch something funny and just get a bit of a perspective check as well. And so for me, that's, um, that's through your, your Pixar and Disney movies. <laughs> I hear you. Well, yeah. that, might, that might all change if and when you have kids and you hear them 400,000 times as well. Say, yeah, the, the Frozen songs, Luke, just ticking through. Yeah, they yeah. just go all – often they just go in the background while you're – I know the audio to a lot of kids' movies. Oh, just, you know the audio? Yeah, yeah, you'd know the scripts, wouldn't you? Because they're, they're doing that and I'm doing my thing and then we meet at the end, but yeah. <laughs> but that's a good point because things can get really serious if all of your entertainment is, is heavy heavy fiction Absolutely. or non-fiction yeah. and biographies yeah. and, uh, you know, and reading and you're engrossed in your studying your career, it's easy to do. You can get really invested in it. And that's a good thing. You need a lot of that anyway. You can't just do the bare minimum and get through, but 
um, you have to keep it lighthearted as well. And I think that's right. And, and I think with all those things about trying to find balance as well, you've just got to do what you like to do. Because um, often people will say, oh, you, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that for balance and this. But I think just do things you like and, and keep, keep strong to your interests. And I think, again, just having that self-awareness of, uh, of what works for you. The, uh, just before we started recording, I was walking with the family, going for a walk, and um, they said, oh, Dad's got to get back to work. And I said to them, hang on, I'm not going back to work. I'm going back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't consider it work. And it's this is enjoyable, but you, you do have to be aware that it can't all be professionally focused stuff as well and and break up your life with with family and friends and entertainment and and the things you love to do, because all of that feeds back into your to your own personal development, which affects how you interact with people. So yeah, exactly right. Can't yeah, just get 100%. stuck in the books. And I think as well, as, as important it is to study and, and work hard and, and all those things as well, um, you've got 40 years to be a, a physiotherapist as well. So I think it's important just to keep that in mind and, and something I'm trying to work on is just being a bit more patient as well and just enjoying the ride as well because it's very easy to get caught up in the, the rat race. Brilliant. Now, so you, I mean, we've covered your, you know, your background, your training, why you, your interests and what you're currently doing, and then you've given everyone some really nice um, tips on the foundational skills that you use in your practice, but also talking about the experience of working in multidisciplinary teams and, and how to look after yourself as a, um, as a clinician, I was going to say as a physiotherapist, but we could apply this to anyone in health professions. Yep. So why don't we finish off with just your thoughts? Do you have any final thoughts? Um, anything else you'd like to add? No, no, not at all. No. Um, I, I think the work that you're doing, and I think um, when we were talking before the podcast, Luke, what you were doing with a lot of those transitioning from school to uni and then to uni, all that sort of transitions, uh, I think it's really important. Um, so, no, it's great that I think Monash does have such a good focus on on supporting that transition and those that sort of the transition from student to practitioner, as you were saying before. Yep. The one thing I would like to be involved more in is alumni yep. and in communication and just being in touch with our former students and seeing where you go across time you've got as you said you've got say 40 years in your career if things go really long and well um, it, yeah. there's um there, there's plenty ahead of you and it would be nice to contact you again and perhaps continue on the conversation and see say where you've gone in a few years time as well um yeah absolutely. as i said i said before if anyone else is listening to this and you have a new great experience you want to talk to me about on the podcast i'll be open to having a converse, planning a conversation, having a conversation with you as well. And if you have any thoughts generated from this conversation, please put them in the comments on the various, we may get this episode on YouTube at some stage, but on social media at Periton Physio. So tag me in and you can find me at Luke Periton. Um, once Jacob sets up a professional um, identity <laughs> on there on social media he'll be a big name to follow there and his accounts as well but he's doing the right thing at the moment which is just knuckling down and, and getting those important formative new grad years um, and, um, yeah and if, and if anyone um if anyone did want to ask any questions or just have a chat um probably the best way just you can go through my linkedin which is just jacob waller i'm always happy to chat with people as well Great. I'll put that in the show notes. I didn't want to dob you in and say, here, here you can answer any of your questions. And I wanted <laughs> no, you to volunteer fine. it. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, of course, if you want to share this episode with 
anybody else, but particularly if you are a student or a new graduate clinician, because this episode was focused on you and made for you. You can find the links to all the different podcast players on our website, periton.physio. You can just Google Periton Physio or Physio Foundation Podcast, and we seem to be um, unique in that name, and you'll find it pretty easily on Google. So I think we'll leave it there, but Jacob, I really appreciate you coming on. There was some really insightful um, conversation there, and looking forward to continuing it in the future. No, looking forward to it. And um, thanks so much for the invite, Luke. I think all this, all this, what you're doing with the with the podcast is so valuable and so helpful. And I'm sure it'll help a lot of people listening. For sure. Yeah. Great, Jacob. Appreciate it. So um, until next time, listeners, this is Jacob and Luke wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning. Thanks, guys. 